here we go. We're here. We're back. Gosh, I like that. That's a. Uh, it's just a good old classic rock song right there. Rock band, uh, Natural Child. Ain't gonna stop. I dig it. Uh, here's where we're at, okay? Um, everyone has lost their minds. And we're putting the pieces back together, and that's where we're at. All right, a quick man-child update. Thank you, thank you, thank you to the people that purchased a Struggle is Essential t-shirt to support Casey Bones. Um, our buddy down there in Texas, a fly fishing guy that could not work during the shutdown. Uh, she's back and up, uh, back to action down there on the coast. But guys, uh, that was a tremendous, tremendous uh, help. And that's that's what this thing is all about, what we're trying to do. Um, if, if, we're, if we're not trying to, to do something positive for other people and to uh, share some ideas and support each other, then this is a stupid endeavor. All right, and you did that. You came together. It was really cool. We were able to send those shirts literally all over the world. Um, the power of one of the good positives of social media, I guess you could say. All right? So stuff's starting to open back up, and uh, some people love that. Some people uh, are scared of that. Some people are uh, strangely protesting that enough stuff is not open quick enough. Uh, and, and, you know, here's the deal. It's just, it's too easy to hate someone that is coming from a different perspective than you. It's too easy to can just call somebody stupid and dismiss them. That's, that is lazy. It's a lazy thing to do, right? And listen, they might give you a ton of ammunition to, to show you how ignorant they are and, and a lot of reasons to call somebody ignorant. But you know what? Uh, it's, it's just not healthy for you, it's not healthy for them to dismiss people, a group of people, and, uh, you know, here's the deal. We all make sense of our realities by trying to decide what we believe is true and not true, right? And just so if somebody's saying it's all a hoax and it's all a conspiracy, you might think that they're insane. And, you know, maybe I agree with you, but that's irrelevant. What you have to understand is where are they coming from that they're trying to make their discomfort, their pain, they're trying to make sense of it, right? And that's really what we're all trying to do here. So if you want to make this reality that we're all in more livable, then let's just have a little bit more patience with each other. And instead of just, uh, we, we don't need your, your opinion, versus their opinion, versus what's happening, it's it's not gonna make anybody happy, right? It's just gonna make people yell uh, derogatory things to each other in uh, the comment section of a news feed. And uh, we don't, it's just, it's, it's, it's sucking our time, our energy, our, our thought process, our direction in a certain way, right? I mean, I, you know, I don't understand why a guy stands out in front of an organization with his assault rifle and, and says, you know, this is, this is America. And I, dude, we're not even talking about the right to bear arms, but I guess you're just showing off your collection. I don't know, right? But for me to just hate that guy and say he's a big dumb idiot isn't helpful to me, to him. You know, the bottom line is, and, and, I've, and I've had the privilege to live uh, in a lot of different places around the country, 
right? And so it's 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 really interesting to watch. You know, people from big metro urban areas love to dismiss rural people, and rural people think that the big city folk and you know they don't they, you know they don't care about anybody, and they're all oh, this is the liberal agenda. And it's guys just you're both coming from the same place. You're just saying it, and it sounds way different. Uh, and I can't stress that enough. What you're really coming from is, is do I belong? Do you care about me? And uh, am I loved, right? And maybe sometimes people don't have our best interest, but I'll tell you this, I've met more people that would rather be lied to than ignored. And uh, there's a lot of that going on. It's at least I feel like I'm being included and uh, but, uh, listen, this isn't, I'm, I'm not trying to make some kind of big political thing, but we're getting back to work. People are opening back up. Things are happening. And there's a lot of divisiveness. There's a lot of uh, strange, um, strange times, strange opinions. And you know what it's not going to do? It's not going to change anything as far as your daily life, except for get you flustered and in a huff and a puff. And uh, make you miserable. All right, let's get right to it. I, you know, I'll be honest with you. Can I confess? I don't like podcasts that do a big long thing to begin with. Okay, and so let's get right into who we're who we're talking to today. Steve Opat, right? Is uh, he's the he's the creator curator of the Alaskan Odysseys. It's a it's a media outlet. They do they do podcasts. He he's a writer. He's an outdoorsman. Um, I know we we it's a it's it's sort of a theme around here. We love guys that are putting themselves in wild places. Nothing wilder than Alaska. But he's got a really cool thing uh, that he calls a job. He is a medevac nurse, right? Uh, no, no surprise here. Uh, a lot of Alaska is pretty remote. So you got somebody that has a medical emergency. A lot of times they're coming to get those people in helicopters, right? So it, it, it was really interesting to break down a com- some conversation uh, about basically seeing people in their most vulnerable state and how he's able to be human with them in those moments and the things that he's learning, the, the, the path that he's on, the journeys that he's uh, found himself in and, and the people he wants to surround himself with and, and the things he wants to say are important and the things he wants to get rid of in his life that aren't important. Really enjoyed this conversation. Um, Steve's got a, you know, he, he's got a, some some good philosophical viewpoints of how to navigate your way through a world that has never been more difficult to navigate, all right? So without any more delay, let's get right into this conversation with Alaskan Odyssey's own Steve Opat. Here we go. What you know about me? All right, welcome back or welcome to the Man Child Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the struggle. What would you do if you weren't afraid to struggle at it? Where would you go? Who would you go with? Who would you take? And what would you go after if you weren't afraid to struggle? We've got a very interesting guest. We always have interesting guests, but this guy, he's got a lot of different things going on. A Swiss Army knife of a man, a Renaissance man, true to the core uh, Steve 
Opat is our guest today. Steve, how's it going? It's good. Uh, Swiss Army Knife of a Man is really freaking... That's a big one. That's a big one to live up to. <laughs> well, now you got to, right? It's like sometimes you just got to you don't want to be the guy that gives yourself a nickname, but if you get a cool one, you hang on to it if somebody else gives it to you. So That's the way it has to work. Yeah, if you made if you made up your own nickname like in high school or college or something, you definitely got made fun of for that yeah, one. Yeah, there you got all kinds of issues you're sorting through nowadays if you did that. Uh Steve, <coughs> you're you're based in Alaska, correct? Yeah. Okay. Alaska is my home. What, yep. What, what what part of Alaska? Oh, that see now that's where it gets complicated. Okay. I uh, my house is in Fairbanks. This is how I answer this question. My house is in Fairbanks. Um, the nature of my work and the circumstances of my life have me really covering a lot of the state. I just spent the last two weeks in Juneau and thirty six hours at at my home in Fairbanks before coming back here where I'm at now, which is in Minnesota. Okay. Um, What's going on so, in Minnesota? Uh, interesting. I was born and raised in Minnesota. I am Midwest blessed, man. And, okay. Uh, I understand what Minnesota nice is all about and how <laughs> it came to be. But, um, my girlfriend shortly after we started dating, started going to grad school for an advanced nursing degree in Minnesota. So I come back here to hang out with her all the time. And it's, okay. it's great because I, we both have connections here. And I have a lot of things that I did growing up that it's it's kind of fun to get back and do. So I go to Alaska and I work for two weeks as a medevac nurse. And then I try to stop through my house and fix some things and then come down to Minnesota and, and hang out and, and write and podcast and explore. Yeah. So let's, okay, let's go to the, the first thing first here. A medevac <laughs> nurse what yep what does that entail it entails riding airplanes luke that's uh honestly i gotta admit it's a lot it don't okay don't get me wrong it can be freaking awesome Mm -hmm. um and we had to learn a whole lot of stuff that for 10 years of being a nurse i i knew that i should learn and then in 10 days of being a medevac nurse or just applying for it i suddenly learned um and then now that I do it, four years into it, I realize a lot of what I do is just ride airplanes, um, bringing people who aren't super critically ill from the remote village in Alaska where they live to the closest hospital, which might be 300 miles away with no road connection. And sometimes it's just that in Alaska, we have hospitals and doctors and stuff, but we just don't have enough people to have specialists or the specialist they need or the service they need that day. So sometimes we just have to fly them from our hospitals to big hospitals in Seattle or Salt Lake or wherever it may be. Is Alaska one of those places? Is, is it, is it like California where most of the people that live there moved there or is it, is there a, uh, is it split? Is there a, a big local scene and then there's everybody that moved to Alaska? That is a great question. I think that most people have moved there. Um, and it's seemingly when you start asking people, it seems like everybody moved there from Minnesota or Michigan. Really? Uh, why, why, why those two places? Because the, I think it's because the climates are so similar and the hobbies that you grew up doing are, is, are so 
the same. It's just that in Alaska, while you're fishing or snow machining, you're looking at mountains or oceans yeah, or okay. glaciers yeah. instead of just flat, flat pine forest. Right. I, I mean, yeah. I, I think it's just a, a you know, it, it, when you're in Minnesota, like you are literally as far from one mountain as you can possibly get before you start going to the next one. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. It, once you, as soon as you're, it's the halfway between the Appalachians and the Rockies. So I think there's a whole bunch of people that are like, they, they got to see the ocean when they were a kid, when grandma took them to, to Florida for Disney World. Right. And they got to see mountains once or something and they're like screw this i want awesomeness in my life uh walleyes are one thing but like i want salmon by the bajillions and we just yeah we moved to where adventure is right around every corner yeah i mean i would it it, it really is probably the last of the american wild frontiers alaska is i mean people don't even and I don't grasp how big of a place it is and it's and just how wild and spread out and low populations that that place it's almost like it's 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 almost a foreign country in, in a lot of ways to the rest oh, of yeah. the lower 48 no doubt about it totally true totally true uh it's a i mean it's uh on a result sometimes exploring it is a big production but there's so many days when I feel like I won a lottery or an award to get to go on a National Geographic photo safari. I feel like it's quite often. I feel like it's a place that like you you have to be a National Geographic photographer to get permission to go right. see. Yeah, uh, it really is awesome. And, and like, don't let me fool you. If you listen to anything I've ever. I mean, the stuff that I write and say in the podcast, I tell people, like, it's accessible. You just have to decide you want to go do it. You just, right now, as we're recording this, I don't know when this will drop, but, like, you can, Alaska Airlines and Delta Airlines, the two flight services that serve Alaska, have canceled all change fees for the next two years. So, like, if you find a cheap ticket, you can just buy it and go there. And cancel it if it falls through and and experience no fees. So now we're going to need people who want to go there. Once yeah. these stand in place orders are done, there's a lot of people there that are hurting, that uh, are struggling, and uh, they're going to need people to just want to take a chance and go visit. So you can do it. Go visit. Well, that's an interesting concept. My buddies they that make some of our shirts and and do the screen printing and they have a they have a whole there's different entities to it. They make uh, really cool one-off furniture and they can make, they make clothing and they, it's called unsung salvage and design. And they have this sign in their, in their studio, in their storefront that says you could make this too, but will you? <laughs> because one of the main, things, <laughs> one of the things they see, you know, people come in and they look at their furniture and they're like, Oh, you know, this table's made from an old roller rink floor in the seventies. Oh, that's so cool. And then people, you know, and then they look at the price and they go, well, we could probably make that. And so you hear that as those owners, those, those furniture makers and, and creators, they hear that every day in their store. So they finally made a sign and, and it's, it kind of aligns with what you're saying is this is available to 
anybody um, that almost t- sometimes seems like it's it's a screensaver or or it's a, a, a Netflix documentary and we don't and it's not available to everybody. And sometimes you don't realize the adventure that you can immerse yourself in. Uh, that you've a long time ago, you just told yourself in your head that you're disqualified from because you're not a an outdoor TV host or something like that. And and the reality is, these places are for everybody if they want to do a certain amount of struggling to get there. There is a cost, obviously. There's, yeah. there's a literal cost to get there. Um, and I always said, you know, you're going to spend it either at, at Chili's at happy hour, or you're going to, you can spend it on airplanes and deposit it into the, the memory banks that, that nobody can ever take away from you for the rest of your life. But you're going to spend it regardless. You're going to struggle regardless. You can decide how you're going to do that. Um, and it's interesting. It, it strikes me that Alaska is a place where people have aligned and organized their lifestyles in a unique way to where I'm, uh, this is how I'm going to spend it, you know? Yeah. What's so, I, I love, I love when you just meet people who you have instant connections with, cause you're already, you're just pulling these things out of me that I want to share. You made the comment about California and Alaska being places that people choose to move to. And so uh, this before COVID came, I even made this comment on a a Western Hunter podcast that I was uh, on. And and I said, you know, my advice to people is like move somewhere that people choose to move to. And, and so this is funny, sorry, because yeah. I even said, for instance, nobody says, you know, I've just always wanted to move to Akron, Ohio. Mm, okay? That's a fact. And, if you've ever been to Akron, and, Ohio, you know exactly what that means. Sure. And the host says, <laughs> I was actually born in Akron, Ohio. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Uh, no way. Yeah. Um, that's great. It's great. And, and now I think, God, I hope, I believe that there's going to be a lot of people who are on quarantine life right now. And they finally have the time. They have a couple things. This is the benefit. There's, there are so many benefits to this, the COVID. I mean, it is an amazing house cleaning. It's a Kaizen event, man. We are getting rid of waste all over and improving, improving a lot of stuff. And it hurts, mm-hmm. but this is all about struggle. Struggle comes in many forms. Like there's some pain with this, but I think that there's a lot of people that are have the time to sit at home right now and they don't have the distractions that they were convinced would make them happy. They don't have, maybe it's a parent who's been driving their kids all over town all day long and just never is home and doesn't know how to be home with the family. Maybe it's, you know, a young individual who thought that their job, their career was going to do everything and they just, they're in the city they don't like it, but they spend their money. They're out, they're about, and they're pacifying themselves or distracting themselves. Mm-hmm. And I just, those are just two examples. Probably, uh, man, I should probably use more just so people don't think no, I'm some but kind those of are, egotistical th- nah, asshole. But those are those are two powerful ones because those are two powerful ones, and, and they're 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 real. And I think everybody that is probably. Uh, you know, on, on the grid for lack of a better term is dealing with that. And you start to realize how much of our life is filled up by, uh, distracting ourselves to get through the day, 
and our life is filled but not fulfilled and, you um, know? 1000 percent. and so now you are you, you you it's not choice if you had a choice you wouldn't have done it and there's a reason why you haven't done it up until this point and so now you're forced to look at how i've how i've filled my life and these are the things and now i can't do these certain things right and, and yeah and it's it's a it's a it's a you're you're taking inventory and you're and you're having to edit the best writing, the best songs, the best screenplays and movies. That those guys know how to tear it apart to where it's the it's what is the the simplest, leanest, sharpest way that I can make this uh, idea and people grab a hold of it. That's why that's why you know we, we just lost John Prine, and the reason why he was such a special songwriter is he would take this incredibly complicated feeling or idea or emotion and just say it in one simple line and then stack five, six, seven of those lines up and then all of a sudden it's a song. You're like, that's one of the best songs I've ever written. We can organize our life almost the same way, but there's so much nonsense and trash that has to just get omitted and thrown out that we have taken as gospel that have to be there and we're realizing very very quickly that life will continue on if you didn't have those things and you'll and you'll adjust and you'll course correct and largely probably for the better but that's scary at first oh it's really scary and oh man it's like where do you geez where do you go you know i feel like we almost need to have a smoke after that one um <laughs> Uh, but you know, it's also a good opportunity for me to come back to what we started this with and to say, I'm not poking people in the ribs to be rude. You might also find that if bringing your kids to activities and going out and about actually is what brought you joy, you'll know via what you miss because you, you're going to quit listening to your ego and start listening to your heart. Mm -hmm. And like, what do you miss? And then you can just distill things down to like really how you you want to live your life. Um, I hope more people are journaling. This is kind of what comes to my mind. You talk about a songwriter and stuff, and here I am today trying to write, and it's just it's just kind of amazing what the process of using your hand and your mind at the same time does mm -hmm. um, to really help thoughts distill. And at least they're sometimes we're so worried that our thoughts gonna leave that we can't think straight because but when you write it you've you've recorded it so you, it lets your brain kind of continue farther down the road um and and harness more thoughts so i just i hope more people are just journaling through this and then reading your journals and going forward and see where you were a day ago a month ago and start figuring out what some of those things are that you actually truly want to do that make your life feel fulfilled rather than just filled well, and I think that that's, that's, it's what, what I get, I get so just a hundred miles an hour in, in my line of work and that sometimes it, it, you get dangerous to yourself because you don't ever just pause for a moment and be, and, and have a clear, conscious, present thought. And sometimes I think about like, uh, what do I, what do I think about the most? And why do I think about those things the most? And if I had if I had time off right now, what would I be? What would I want to do? And it and it keeps going back to the same 
five or six things. Well, I'd want to be outside. I want to be on the water. I want to be in the woods. I want to be with my kids. I want to be with my wife. I want to have some big adventure. I want to go see something beautiful. And then I go, well, why don't I make any move <laughs> towards those things? What I'm not doing. That's they're, they're like, I, I remember, and obviously he's in, you know, got himself into some hot water, but he used to have a joke. Louis CK would talk about his little believies where he had these, this certain set of moral codes that he believed in, but he did nothing about them. He never lived them out. <laughs> so they're like, like, they're like my little pets in the corner and they're my believies. We, we have these sorts of things like, you know, I, what do you love? What do you want? What do you, what do you think about? What do you daydream about? And if you don't even know, right there start there right start there if you don't if you've run out of time to even think about what you enjoy then what is the point of what you're doing at all like there needs to be an immediate uh stop right there but then once you know and you and and, and i think there's real power into writing them down and then okay well what if what if you started to organize your life to make those things attainable and you were able to do those things. It's like, and then you start to move towards them. And you're like, oh my gosh, there's, there's these, there's these hidden moments. And, and, and the spaces between spaces is uh, Pete Carroll's head coach of the uh, Seattle Seahawks. And he talks Seahawks, about yeah. the, the moments between moments. Right. And, and I really dove into that as a coach. It's, it's not, Oh my gosh, it's third and long. What a pivotal play, right? And they take a TV timeout right before that so that because they know a, an intense, uh, you know, dramatic event is about to unfold in this part of the game. It's fourth and one on the goal line. It's what was, what did you say to each other on the sideline before you took the field right there to where what everyone is thinking as they enter into that moment? He's obsessed with the moments between the moments. And nobody. And we just we just released an article here on Manchild called uh, "You're Not Going to Talk to Your Buddy If You Don't Call Him" and other stuff you need to get over with. And, and it's the point of it is nobody enjoys the uncomfortable conversation to find forgiveness between two friends, and nobody regrets having had that conversation once you find that forgiveness. Nobody says, "I really wish I wouldn't have gone on that run." I really wish I wouldn't have been on that hike. I hated that we went on that vacation. What a what a waste of time that was. But up until that point, you got to spend some money that you're you're fearful that you should just hang on to. You got to you all these sorts of things that there's these front-end decisions that you're going to have to back yourself into a corner to make to be able to enjoy those moments and those decisions are uncomfortable but they elicit joy and so many of the decisions that we make are simply out of comfort they're not in pursuit of joy and they're not the same thing man you know as i was listening this something this this little morsel of thought came into my head as a concise i think that discomfort is a filter for the truth. Oh, yes. So as you first started talking about like that uncomfortable conversation with your friend and you say, nobody regrets it afterwards. Like you right. might be saying like, yeah, well one time I got an argument with a friend and we're no longer friends. Right. And I think like, do you miss 
that friend as an opportunity friend or do you miss that friend as a true friend? Right. And exactly. sometimes that uncomfortable conversation sorts through the value you two give each other. And if you'd want to talk about the trip, like you might've gone on a trip that you, you turned out, you really hated. Right. But you, you know that now and you know, going forward then what, what kind of trips are true for you? What kind of trips you should be taking that make you happier, that are worth your time and money. Um, you kind of really only know that through, through struggle. Yes. Through, through discomfort. So I think, you know, the one thing that I know is why I heard about you guys and immediately wanted to track you down and partake any way I could, um, is that you guys are okay being vulnerable in, in being transparent because it's really easy to say you should be doing this. This is your key to success. And it's kind of like, yeah, well, who are you? Are you so perfect? You know, like you don't got mm-hmm. it all figured out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're not sitting here saying we've got it perfect. We're saying like, you know, I realize I don't have this figured out. I don't, but I'm learning and I'm trying and I want you to come along with me and help me learn and try together. Uh, yes. I, I appreciate that about you guys. Well, and I appreciate that very much sincerely. Uh, and, and it's, Really, it's 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 an act of catharsis for us because uh, I I was really I just became fatigued of feeling like I am uh, counted out towards these these really incredible experiences because um, I don't know enough about the thing, right and. <laughs> And instead of, and then I, when I would try to reach out early on in, in, in the, in these pursuits and, uh, I would get, um, I'd get posturing more than I'd get mentorship, you know, and, and, and then that gets intimidating. But then I realized that I'm, I was posturing just as the, the more I postured at someone and, and tried to drop a few key terms at the you know, pro shop or the fly shop or the, the, the outfitter to show that I know a few things and I don't learn anything. And so my pride just kept me ignorant and, and I finally, okay, I would rather be, um, uh, humble and learn than I would be, uh, to, to convince some dude that I don't even know that doesn't care at all what I know and and continue to just be miserable in these things that I really want to enjoy. And so I had to just get over myself and just say, hey, look, and I realized that it's almost it, it's a disarming thing when you tell somebody, look, I don't know anything and I still want to do this. Will you help me? And, you know, aside from a very select few disagreeable maybe type of people, people, for the most part, are willing to help you. I went to Mosquito Lagoon in Florida to go chase redfish on the fly. And I said, I don't know. I find, and that was like, that wasn't the first time I went. I went multiple times, pretended like I knew what was going on, got annihilated by literal mosquitoes and just failure. And then finally I walked into the fly shop that I had been to and spent a bunch of money into before and tried to act like I knew what was going on. I said, look, I don't know anything. Please help me. And they took me out the next morning to go fishing and showed me how to do this thing. Those people exist, but until you get over yourself, people can't, they're not going to, they don't get permission to help you. You have to give people permission 
to help you almost. It's it's a it's a it's a strange um, exchange that you have to have with people, and it starts with getting over yourself. It really does. Yeah, and the the tool that you're gonna have to learn that we have to learn if when we decide to take that step is to learn how to listen. Yes. Uh, yeah. Because you can't, here's something that's physically impossible to do. Uh, lick your elbow. But here's another thing that's physically impossible to do. That's talk and listen at the same time. Yeah. Can't be done. Word. <laughs> so, I mean, I, uh, shit, I'm, a, I mean, I write for hunting magazines and stuff. So like I have to deal with this fact that, uh, uh do I really know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, imposter why, why, syndrome. Yeah, 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 totally. I mean, I I came up with this idea this year that I'm gonna confess. If what if I just treat everything as like I don't know anything? Um, this is how this is what I want to tell people. Like, if you want some advice on hunting, let's just pretend I don't know anything. Mm-hmm. But that means when uh, you interact with that person, then you are going to listen. You're going to focus on listening, mm-hmm. and in the process of conveying, I don't know anything. You set yourself up to listen a whole bunch and then you'll just ask clarifying questions and you just, you stand. I mean, when you speak, the only thing you can do when you speak is say what you already know or think, you know, mm-hmm. but when you listen, you have the whole world of opportunity to, to be able to learn. And, and I didn't think of that. That's a quote from the Dalai Lama. Right. Um, and I just saw it on a meme, you know, it's not like I'm, it's not like I'm a scholar in the Dalai Lama's <laughs> writings. I just saw it on a meme, you know, mm-hmm. the same way we get all of our great quotes these yeah. days. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. Here's the funny thing is ever since I saw that quote, I I was so enamored by it that all I would want to do in conversations is find a way to say that quote. So I'd be listening to people and then I'd be like, Ooh, 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 there's my window to use the Dalai Lama quote. And then I would realize that for the next five minutes, I had no idea what they were talking about. I was literally just waiting to say the quote about listening and not talking. <laughs> oh, uh, my gosh. <laughs> that is that's uh, uh, almost eerie how much I can relate to that. And it's and, and, and I've, I've made it, it. And that was there's been a lot of uh, real self wrestling with that and it's like you stupid idiot like you didn't learn anything because you're so egotistical that you your lips almost blew off because you had to show this stranger how much stuff you know like you're disgusting you're fil- yeah you just have these big <laughs> these big internal just royal rumbles with myself and and it really had to get o- it goes back to just having to just beat yourself into submission uh to to finally allow yourself to have uh, a, a body position to learn, <laughs> to have yourself in a mental disposition to, to take some correction. And it's just ridiculous how out of control you can get with that. And it's, I don't know what it is, if it's the need to feel impressive or if it's, it's deeply rooted into your, you know my my needs for affirmation from people and things like that to be impressive and all that sort of stuff uh i met there's one of my, my one of my favorite writers donald miller he he went to basically in, in one of his books he talks about he had he had had multiple break breakups he would go it would go very serious okay. he'd get engaged and he would uh 
you know, and then he'd break it off with these girls. He did it like three times and he basically checked himself into like relationship rehab. And okay. the first thing that you were not allowed to do at this place was to tell people what you did for a living. You could not, you could only tell them your name, your first name. Okay. And, and it killed him because this is a New York times bestseller. He's like my, my ace in the hole was to tell people, you know, once I dropped what I did for a living, they were instantly impressed and I had validation with them. And then I, you know, could move on with myself because I had interacted with this person, impressed them. I've, I've done my work here. I can move on. Right. And he, so it, it forced him to look at himself and just be like, you are so selfish to where you don't, interact with human beings to to partake in the human exchange you do it to see how much validation you can get from every single person you interact with and when that is worn out or it's run its course you just move on and right uh i you know there's i think we we do that and so that that's there's you have a post and i i stumbled on it where you 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 basically you kind of build it up it's a, it, the where you but you find this big piece of firewood right but you're you're acting like it's a you know it's this it's this, it's this trophy bighorn sheep or whatever and, and it's a tongue-in-cheek kind of you know uh whatever to the way we are in in whatever that is you know I, I, there's a lot of people the hunting and fishing industry is exploding and yeah. it's exploding largely, largely in connection to social media because, you know, when you put that big old fish up there or you put like, you know, they made those those social media platforms knowing what that does to our psychology when you get yeah. all those hits and all those hearts and all those thumbs ups and all those comments and all those likes. And it's like, wait a second, I if I hold up a big enough fish everybody starts paying attention to me and oh yeah you connect attention to fishing i like fishing right and there's but you're 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 totally missing the gift of these of these experiences because you're really just laying them at the altar of your ego instead of instead of well uh, totally it'd be funny to find somebody i mean here's just we're all i mean i think I was going to back up what something you said, like to empathize with a listener is just like, understand if you're young, like you're going to make mistakes. You're going to be the person who gets engaged three times before you discover this thing about yourself that you have mm -hmm. to fix before you can really move forward. So just, we're all growing and it's only if you're capable of growing and you have that mindset that you're going to be able to keep moving forward. Um, so, I digress. I was thinking, like, if you found somebody who had an Instagram account, this is me. I have an Instagram account, and I will tell you that I hate gambling. Okay? Okay. But, like, I'm just thinking, like, the same psychology goes into gambling as, inst I mean, they use the same psychology thing. Slot machines, you just mentioned them. Lights, lights, you know, mm -hmm. flashy things, bings, bells, like, yeah 
social yeah. media yeah. is just a freaking slot machine. Dope, it does the same thing to our machine. brain. Absolutely. Yeah, little dopamine fixers, and they keep us there because we love it. Yeah. And so we just have to realize that that stuff about ourselves. And and I mean, we're human. This is the reason they exist is because people discovered this thing about humans. It's how we. It's, it's, there's something in our evolution that appeases so like it's natural you're not you're not weird you're not you're normal you know no and i think that was a big thing someone told me this last year it's gonna sound really well you tell me how it feels if i tell you this like okay. you're not special you're not yeah. special oh yeah yeah it hurts at first <laughs> it hurts at first and then you're like why did you just tell me that you're like a renowned physical therapist and he says because people think that they're freaking special and they have some unique disease that's unique to them and that it's so like much a part of them that it's a you know whatever okay it's like no you're you're not special like we can fix this yes yeah you know like i know how to fix this because you're not special like it's just it's a quirk don't worry yeah so yeah whatever you have you can grow out of it you're not special mm. uh, yeah exactly but you can't grow out of it without an awareness that it exists right? there you go it's a right it, the, you, you 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 can't get the appropriate uh medication you can't go to the, the 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 take the right measures to to remedy the disease if you will if you're if it just goes completely undetected and yeah the, you don't detect those things if you don't or ignored and so i mean so much of so here we're on here we're tying it into what you guys are all about if you're afraid to struggle you'll never fix it right you know, and then this is where all things in my realm kind of come together. I mean, I deal in emergency medicine and emergency medicine is tough because people either want a quick fix or they're uh, alternatively or maybe all the same. They're at this point in their life or the things that they have ignored for years, decades are finally presenting themselves as the problem. Okay. They've, they've, not felt like their lifestyle matters that they're not going to get a heart attack or they're not going to get cancer and all of a sudden they're you know the the lifetime smoker shows up for a chest ailment and they're like you have lung cancer like oh i'm not special (laughs) i get it you know um but it's ultimately what the manifestation is is that people were afraid to struggle when they first realized the problem so their unhealthy lifestyle, they were not afraid to go through the struggle to change their habits. Mm-hmm. And then it caught up to them. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so whatever it might be, I guess you just have to be awake and, you know, awake to see it. And, and then we, you know, well, you can help them figure out how to struggle through the, the game. <laughs> I feel like I'm on the verge of going into something real deep and off tangent here. So maybe we should like sing and dance for a little bit to bring people back on board. <laughs> We're going to take a five minute intermission folks. Go ahead and <laughs> take a walk and we'll be there. No, you're absolutely, I, what I would like to tap into and something I've become fascinated, if not short of obsessed with is fear and how do we bump up against it i know there's a trevor reagan he has a uh, it's called train ugly and it's a it's it's literally dedicated to the art of learning skill and uh um, neat 
Yes. So just acquiring skill and the things that that how do we streamline that process, right? And he meets with these renowned uh, psychologists and people that have studied, you know, excellent performers across every type of domain that you can think of. And it's it's so much of it is about um, habit formation and and these. So like you're talking about, it, you're not special to where we think that we'll willpower ourselves through something <laughs> right that, yeah I'm, I'm gonna i'm just you know i'm gonna lose weight you know that's obviously a common where i'm gonna learn how to do this or i'm gonna whatever and then there's just our basements are full of you know thousands and dollars of exercise equipment that never gets used it's because you're still you bought a treadmill but you're still you like it's you know, it, it, so just yeah making these 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 He's like, it's not about willpower. Eventually, you're going to have a day where you didn't have enough simple carbohydrates to be able to override the part of your brain that doesn't want to do that, and you're going to give into it and resort back to your old behavior. It's about environmental changes to where you make correct the correct choice more convenient than the incorrect choice. Don't don't think that you can have the willpower to not eat the cookie. It's don't bring the cookie in your house. <laughs> so sure. People say, you know, I, I'm the same way. So I need to stop looking at my phone so much. But I didn't get away from my phone, right? I I didn't turn my phone off. I didn't put it in a different room. I just acted like I was arrogant enough to think that my psychology won't be susceptible to what they've spent billions of dollars to make it absolutely susceptible to. And, yeah. and, and we do that with so many things. What, so the point I'm trying to make is when we, when we change our environment to where now struggle is, uh, it's not, it's no longer optional where we live in a life in the first time in the history of mankind where struggle is an option. You can, you can go ahead and, step over that struggle that for centuries was not an option you had to build your home you had to hunt your food or catch your food you had to do but now you just order it right and so you yeah if, if the option go ahead go ahead well there you're uh you're keying into a couple of things i like to talk about um one of them a big change for my year has been understanding the word paradigm um, I just, it never, I never use it in my normal, you know, uh, dialogue, but if you think of things in paradigms, kind of your, your approach to a certain task, um, by the way, for some good stuff on this, like the, the seven habits of highly effective people, I put it off way too long. It's an absolute great book. Um, and he talks a lot about paradigms. I'm going to make a couple notes. Seven habits and nudge. I'm going to come back to nudge. Um, a, a great way to make changes. You got to understand that changes, all changes occur slowly. So the patient who finally ended up with lung cancer in my emergency room, that change happened over some kind of, you know, event that made him do it the first time. And then continued to do it, and his body continued to change, continued to change until the end result was 
the demise of cancer. Now, on the same note, if you wanted to not smoke or we want to have a positive change in our life, we got to understand that it's daily, slow, consistent, consistent decision making towards the direction that we want. And that's what gets us that slimmer, healthier body that we finally want or that you know, financial independence, whatever it might be that we're going for. For me, like finishing the novel, sitting down, starting it and just making it part of my what I do. Mm -hmm. Um, But paradigm shifts are a big one. And so it's. It's wrapping your brain to where you're comfortable with the paradigm. So struggle is one. I think if you just say the word to struggle, most people right off the bat, they're going to get this feeling in their gut or a headache, wherever they carry their stress, just saying the word struggle is going to solicit or elicit this visceral response in your body because that's the association we have with the word that pain and discomfort are coming and the body naturally does not want that. And so if you can just switch your brain to just say, like, I'm no longer going to view struggle as a bad thing. And I'm going to think of struggle as opportunity. And suddenly, if you just force yourself a couple times and just associate struggle with opportunity, opportunity is struggle and struggle is opportunity. Suddenly, when I say the word struggle to you, and that's your immediate association, you're going to get a little excited, you know, Mm -hmm. you're going to feel like you're climbing the rope in gym class again, you're going to feel a little funny, like, it's going to get you pumped up a little bit, and then you're going to be okay with it. Um, So... I mentioned the book nudge. This is another one of those. I don't think you need to read the book. I think the YouTube version or the, you know, the spark notes version is a good one. You talk about environmental architecture. Yes. And it is making your environment conducive to the outcome that you want. Yes. That's exactly. Yes. It's a way better term than what I was fumbling through. (laughs) Yeah. Environmental architecture is, is a huge psychological thing. Uh, it's a nudge. The example I give a nudge is they wanted kids in schools to eat better. So what did they do? Well, they thought about how the kid makes choices of what food he eats and to encourage them to eat better. They said, okay, let's put the vegetables first. Cause the kid will look at his tray and say, I have tons of room. I got room for some vegetables. So throw some veggies on there. Fruits, fruits, entree next. All right. And then they put the dessert behind the kid and above eye level. So in order for the kid to see the dessert, he's got to make a bunch of moves. It's not in his periphery where it like calls to him like the little slot machine does. And he looks at his tray and is like, my tray is already full. I don't really have room for, certainly don't have room for two desserts. I don't know where I'll put it. And so just in doing that, they've manicured the environment so the kid makes better food choices. That's, mm. so there's, there's all kinds of things that you can do like that. If you get the paradigm, your paradigm is going to be, I'm going to change my architecture to make it easy for me to have the outcome that I want. Yes. Uh, There's, there's some, you talking about, let's put on a different, uh, shade of lenses here to look at what we, or the reaction that we have to struggle. And the, the other thing is, is now we, we, we have to, from where we are right now with what the fear response is in our brain, right? Going back to, and I'm taking this, this, this information from those same guys from train ugly is basically he, he calls it the lizard brain, 
right? There's a part of our, the, the part of our brain, the animal response, the fight or flight, the it's cold, we need to get warm, I'm thirsty, we, we need water, it's hot, I need to cool off, right? The status quo, the, the, the opposite of change, the opposite of trying to make something change for good or for, for permanently or, or increasing uh, performance or whatever, it's because we have a fear response to stay uh, alive, right? Homeostasis. That's that's the, the baseline to how you stay yeah. alive, the path of least resistance, right? You'll see there's, there's deer trails because it burns less calories to walk through those trails than it does to to blaze your own and 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 do those sorts of things right. now you're gonna have to find more food and and survival is less likely right our brain is constantly doing that all the time and making an assumption is this worth it because we need to well, we've outgrown that right fear when there was a saber-toothed tiger right that 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 worked beneficially for us let's get away run 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 right but now yeah. to start to understand what's going on in our brain when we feel fear rather than just saying, I don't like this and let's get away from it is he talks about uh, fear compassing, right? Whereas now when you bump into that emotion, it means you are right on the edge of now there's, there's about to be real learning taking place. There's about to be real discovery that's about to happen because you are on the fringe of, th of some comfort zones that you previously had and you're, you're, you're entering into a new personal best. And with those, th those four things don't get triggered uh, if you don't put yourself in those types of uh, situations and those for change something that just changes right we all got scared with um this whole pandemic thing because our lifestyle immediately changed right yeah sure uncertainty when you don't know how long something's going to go i always say you know there's when, when we train athletes um at least half of what we ask them to do we don't tell them how many or how long or <laughs> that it has to be because of what it does to your brain. Right. Yeah. And because the sport is it's, it's open-ended. You don't know how many plays of that drive it's going to take to go score a touchdown. You don't know. But if you know, Oh, I only got eight reps at practice. You can govern your, your effort to meet the demand of those eight plays. Right. But if you didn't know how long this is going to go, right. You, your, your body starts freaking out because your brain doesn't know how to regulate. Right. So uncertainty triggers fear, struggle figures or uh, triggers fear. And then things that extremely demand our attention, right. To where all of our attention is put onto something. We get it. We get an anxious uh, response from that part of our brain because it's it's requiring a whole lot of brain activity and that is calories burned and so we give that that fear uh, response so that it's something to avoid it's almost like the, down to the reason why if there's a huge uh, uh, description in a picture under a picture on Instagram we scroll past it 
right? Because our brain's like, nope, do not engage. Too That's much. Too much effort. Nope, not doing yeah. it. We're not demand. You're not going to demand our attention that much. Yeah, the picture so- is worth a thousand words. It doesn't require a thousand <laughs> words. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But maybe there's some really good information in that, but we bypass it because it's we get a we get an anxious feeling about something being. Oh, I don't want to read all that, and then you scroll past. Right. So those four things, and but but. It's almost like uh, when you can, you know, psychologists talk about when you name an emotion, the emotion loses uh, so much of its power over you, right? When you realize where it's coming from. Well, if we realize what where, where this fear is coming from, it's coming from, okay, I'm not scared. It's something changed. What changed? Okay. Why did it change like that? And, and so when you put yourself in new situations and, and that – you know, and we love to just yell the desired result at people's like be uncomfortable or get comfortable being uncomfortable. And it's like, well, yes, but why would anyone just voluntarily do that? Right. Going back to one of the first things we said while we're recording here is why would we do something that gives us more of a headache? Dude, I got plenty of headaches to go around. And it's because that is where the living that that makes a memorable experience is on the other side of those four things triggering fear. And that is why it's not about for me, it's not about how much I like fish or how much I like hunting or how much any I, I'm I am a novice to the nth degree. I am uh I'm I am the opposite of an expert of knowing all those sorts of things. I don't even feel like I appropriately appreciate some of the animals and things that I'm in pursuit of, but I know that it makes me switch on. And those fourth, it demands my attention. It, it changes rapidly. The outcome is uncertain and it's hard to do. And that is why I am trying to, uh, almost have a campaign to get people to understand how important it is to put yourself in these wild scenarios um, in places like you are, or you can even find these types of adventures in your own backyard. So I can tell that this is a really infected people listening to just think back to all you just said. And you can tell it's really a project of love for you. It's not something that you could contain any longer because when you speak there's a big catharsis and you know you know so simply in your heart what you want and you're having to work every day on how to clearly deliver it because sometimes (laughs) you know what you're trying to say and what comes out is (laughs) (laughs) yes exactly yes i just threw up on everybody so there you go (laughs) um the struggle is real i think i i love it though man i love i love the passion the passion is there like you can't help but to follow somebody who's so passionate because nothing you said threw this down anybody's throats it was all self-revealing um and it made me think of some really great stories from my year i think i just eclipsed a good like year and a half of really amazing personal growth and and great people have come into my life much like yourself as account of that becoming awake um 
I think the one of the stories that I pulled out of there when when you talk about the body wanting struggle or challenge and uh I have a friend of mine named Dave Baronio, Hollywood Davo, if you want to find him on Instagram, super okay. neat guy. Hollywood Davo, and he spends so much of his life just training his brain and body to be resilient. And so we've been talking about resilience a lot with COVID and how we need resilient bodies to get through this very clever virus. Mm -hmm. And so he, he sent me a picture of himself swimming in the lake and he talks about how he, in our conversations, he talks about taking cold baths and laying on a bed of nails and stuff. And there's, there's scientific benefits that those things do to your body to prime it, to do certain things like burn calories and produce testosterone and stuff. But this concise little quip came out of us talking about our, our swims in cold water and our cold baths through the week. And it was, it's like you're, this is the quip. I think it's a good one. I want to know how you respond to it. Okay. It's like, it's like we're training your brain to competently lead and your body to confidently follow. Mm. Yes. Okay. So I like it. And so we keep thinking about it and, and you have to train your body to be a follower because your body really has two different realms. It has the realm of the follower of the brain. Your brain says, this is the task we must complete body. Help me do it. And that's, um, countered by the times when your body is in charge and that's your fight or flight. Okay, so mm -hmm. you're startled by the saber cat and your body suddenly says, listen, brain, you can do what you want, but I'm getting the F out of here. <laughs> and and in those moments when your body is in control, when it's in fight or flight, you will look back on those and say, I don't know how I ran that fast. I've never run that fast in my life. Mm -hmm. I don't know how I managed to lift that object or pull the sword out of the stone. Right. But I was way stronger, way more able than than I've ever been in my life. And it's because your body is capable of way more, <laughs> way more than your brain understands. Mm. Um, and so there, there's this really dual training that has to go on in, in, in growth. And that's that's training your brain to understand what your body is capable of, but also training your brain to be competent enough to lead it. And there's, um, there's, so, there's so, so much a, yes. of the struggle is not like, can you physically tolerate cold water? It's like giving your brain the confidence to lead your body into the lake. And just that is the victory. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. We did. So here's another story. Uh, I think I want you to do this one and let's reconnect on it later after okay. you've had some time to process it. We had a campfire this week, Easter Sunday. I was traveling, so I couldn't get home to family. We had a campfire with my good friend. Heather Kelly, who I mentioned to you at the start of this, um, how I got introduced to the people I write for is all through um, shows for her company, Heather's Choice Meals. And so we're sitting on the fire and she comes out with this uh, a Sharpie marker and post-it notes. I said, what's going on here? She says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to cast away, we're going to cast away some some thoughts or some things. So I want you to write them down something on this note, post it. And you're going to tell us what you wrote and you're going to burn it. And that's, that's getting rid of that vice or that thought or whatever it is that you think is affecting you. So 
It's like, ooh, this is a big one. This is a big task. So she says, after the year I've had and the things we've accomplished and all the fear and panic I've had, I'm no longer going to worry about money. I'm going to, I'm going to grow this business and she burns it. And it's just like taking that stress off her plate. It's just saying we're, we're going for it mm-hmm. and the money will come. We'll find a way to do it in mine. I have two of them. So this answers your question of what do I struggle at and how do I get over it? Mm-hmm. The answer is I connect with really great people who make me better and who challenge me and hold me accountable. And I geek out on books and exercises that help me get over these things that I've discovered I struggle at. Yeah. So my answers were these two. It was, I am no longer going to say that I don't like the gym. I'm no longer going to say that I'm not a gym person, that I'm not a runner, that, that I, it's, I don't, it's not going to be an attack to my pride if I use the gym. Because I hate, I, I forever, I've said I hate the gym. I'm an outside guy. I just want to be outside. Mm-hmm. And so now it's just like, I'm just going to get rid of that. That's a paradigm shift. I'm just, I mean, I'll use the gym if I need to use the gym. Yeah. If I want to use the gym, like it's there. It's not, it's not a barrier anymore. Um, so that was one. That's a big one. I just, I, well, there's a story that goes with that. And then the other one was, I am no longer going to come up with excuses about why it's not the right time to write my book. Mm. I've been saying that I've, uh, I want to be a stronger writer so that it's the edit process is easier and I will be less deterred by the amount of work. Um, I'm going to say that no longer going to say that I need to do things that generate income because of my situation, or I'm no longer going to say that whatever I'm just, I'm just going to, shameless you know just sit down and just write if it's 10 minutes if it's five minutes if it's 10 hours whatever i'm just i'm just gonna start writing it and it's just changing the paradigm changing my mindset they no longer intimidate me anymore they don't do those human things that create fear so right it it seems so simple and it kind of is but it, it really takes a team to make it happen well, and it's, it, it's, it sounds, exa- yeah, it sounds very simple, but it's simple, but it's not easy. It's, you know, to say it's not, Kelly didn't say, well, I have more money now. I'm not going to worry about money. No, she just said, I'm making the decision to that. That is no longer going to be a worry of how I navigate yeah. my life. And that, yep. that's the starting point right there. And you can't get started till you make that kind of decision. Um, so that I mean that that's that's powerful. Absolutely. Did you have a moment like that when you started Manchild? Uh <laughs> you have no idea. So yeah. <laughs> I have and, some and, idea. <laughs> absolutely. Well, yeah, the uh you know, the, the this whole thing the and we've I mean, I've told this story before um on the podcast, but the the term manchild was I I went to um I left a job to take a job that I had told myself my entire life was my dream job, right? And when I got there, it was a nightmare. And instead of um, me or them or anybody in between uh, operating out of love, uh, we both operated out of fear and... um, if it was a drug deal, we both shot each other in the face is basically what we did. Right. Oh boy. And and instead of it being like, look, you know, I'm, 
I'm dealing with this right now and here's where I'm coming from and 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 then and we and we both could have had that opportunity and instead we we made the worst out of a bad situation and uh so with my tail tucked between my legs and a couple months to just try to uh convince the world of how wronged I had been instead I you know it it, it didn't go away right no matter how many people I had jumped on and endorsed how uh, salty that I le- should legitimately be about my situation. It didn't make me feel any better. And that was like a surprise to me. If I could convince enough people to, to realize how I had been done wrong, then that was, that was my redemption and there was none to be had. And so what I realized is, you know, I was, a, I acted like a child in that situation <laughs> and so did they. And then the things that I should have acted like a child and just said, I'm wrong and I don't know what to do here and I'm sorry. I was very prideful and, you know, what I thought was being a man, right? And so I I behaved like a man child and in in all of the wrong ways. And so I said, "Well, you know, this was I don't I don't ever want to have this experience again. I don't ever want to hurt people the way I hurt them and I don't ever want to be hurt the way they hurt me because of the way we decided to where the, the the rivers in which we decided to make decisions from in that regard and that's when this term you know man child came from and and I realized I didn't realize any of those things if I wouldn't have you know, for, and and it's all of me. I put myself in those things. They didn't, they didn't just happen to me, you know, against my will. I went, I drove there. Nobody held a gun to my head. I, I went there. I resigned from the job, the, the great job that I had. And I drove there and, and totally thought that that's what I should be doing. But it wasn't until I had, okay, now I'm in this struggle and I can't get out of it that I, I made these realizations that, and I go, all right, I don't know if anybody wants to know about this stuff or not, but it's interesting to me, so I'm going to I'm gonna share <laughs> it to some people. And so that's where it kind of just came from. Is like, Gotcha. I, uh, one of the things I, I heard there was a really great, important life lesson. Um, you said, if this was a drug deal, we'd have shot each other in the face. <laughs> and that is a really good lesson of why you should not get into drugs. <laughs> Because that's really, no, that's point nobody has ever it. said, if this was a car deal, we'd have shot each other in the face. If this was a real estate exchange, we'd have shot each other in the face. Yeah. Like, there's certain ventures that end pretty amicably if mm-hmm. you're in those things. And if you delve in drugs, <laughs> things are likely to happen. Like, stakes are a little not higher. Uncommon. Yeah, <laughs> the stakes are a little higher. Yep, the stakes are a little higher there. They're high stakes. Um, high risk, high reward. I, I didn't tell you this though, Luke. One of the things that had me enamored by you is like this man child was like, Oh my God, I almost named my podcast right along this line. I was like super interested in the concept of like the law of the jungle and Mowgli and mm. um, the law of the pack. Yeah. Just, like, and uh, I was in Boy Scouts and Cub Scouts growing up. And one of the things was always like a Cub Scout follows Aquila. And and I wanted this, my entity to really focus on teaching the teacher. So teaching a dad how to 
create a better outdoor experience for his kid. Mm-hmm. Because you mentioned earlier, like I want to raise more outdoorsmen because I love the outdoors and I love nature. And so maybe one of the reasons that we're not, that numbers are falling is because we just haven't focused on how to create good initial experiences for people. Maybe we're not prepared for that. So let's shift the paradigm from, from selling them stuff that'll make it easy from selling them that buck call. That's certain to call in the monster and the camel. That's certainly to make them disappear to like, let's teach dad how to teach his kid how to enjoy the outdoors so they, it just sticks with them you know let's teach uh one of uh, half of the couple how to bring their significant other with them and share the hobby together yes let's teach dad how to bring his elderly father into the outdoors because grandpa's moving a little slower than he used to be mm-hmm. you know like there's mm-hmm. so many ways that we can do that and so that's where I was thinking of like the Cub Scout follows Akila. Akila is the leader of the pack. He's the one who like you have to have faith in him that he's going to look out for you. And if you all work together and listen to the leader, you can create great things. And so Akila was the name I was going to be or man cub or something. And, yeah. and so I, I dig this. I dig this man child thing because it's it's just so perfect. But this is also there's so much opportunity for play in it. Like let's 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 be kids again. Let's have mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. We don't have to not be kids. Yep. We can be grown ups and make adult decisions. Mm-hmm. We can pay our bills, be financially stable, and have a lot of fun like romping in the grass like a you know, playing tag. Yep. <laughs> Being yes. fun. Uh, so uh, I, I dig that. I, I dig the man-child project. I really do. I appreciate that very much. I really do. Yeah. And, and you're up to some really cool stuff. Uh, is that's a high, um, you know, your your profession. Um, that that's a high stress, high emotional environment oh, to where God. people are are panicking and and the social contract is broken down right like you would never you know the majority of the population they don't just you know you don't you don't take your clothes off in front of a stranger well when there's an emergency that no longer matters right you don't let somebody you don't know touch you well when there's an emergency all of that goes away and you you live that um almost daily when you're in that type of environment uh what do you what have you and i'm not trying to put you on the spot here but just out of curiosity, like, what do you, what do you notice? What is one of the main takeaways you've learned about just human interaction when it all breaks down and it's just about life at this point? What do you, what do you, how do you, is there, do you come away with a deeper connection with people? Is it, is it, or do you? Um, I, I can answer this. I, I don't feel put on the spot because I've, I've had, let's call it Zen moments with this. And it is very easy for people in my position. I'm going to speak to my end as the provider more so than the patient because, you know, there's point of view. I can't really tell you what the patients are experiencing. I can assess what they're manifesting, but I can't tell you what they experience, but I can tell you what I experience, And that is we can very quickly dehumanize that person. And we can be doing tasks and jobs and we do things to protect ourselves. We do things as providers because we're fatigued, we're hungry, we have alarm fatigue, we're stressed out. 
you know, for me in medevac, I have flight fatigue. You go up to altitude, air's thinner, there's vibrations, there's flicker, there's all kinds of things that wear us out. And just to be able to perform the tasks, like you almost can't add emotional stress to it or you're not strong enough to complete it. Um, so there are an awful lot of providers who will dehumanize the experience and over to complete the task, which they know is necessary. I have to give this nitroglycerin to keep this patient's hearts from killing them. And so, um, this is something that I learned is something that I have to almost like set an alarm to do because I, it's important that I do and the results what what flows outward from this very moment is has been amazing and that is i tell myself to do something compassionate and so it's it's every day it's uh when i'm at medevac i say make sure you do one thing that is just truly a human to human act of compassion and how, how did you become aware that this is something you needed to do um you know, it's, it's honestly, it's experience. It's, uh, you know, it's Malcolm Gladwell's thing where you got to be, do something for 10,000 hours to become an expert. Yeah, right. Absolutely. And, yeah. and so I think I just got to the point where the, the acts of doing the tasks and making the next right medical decision no longer consume so much of my brain power that I was able to move up the, the okay. hierarchy yeah. of yeah, needs yeah. or the, towards self-actualization kind of con you know to conceptualize it and to say like okay now was my action a good action and so you need enough experiences to see cause and effect yeah. and to say like yeah i mean we we did everything we could to save the guy's life and it only cost him his life you know and so there are a lot of times when i just like to be the person in the room to ask like hey let's not forget that there's a human on the other end of our actions. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, sometimes dude, it's just a matter of like holding someone's hand or even honestly, the best thing that I do is while everybody's doing things, whether just doing things while they're putting in IVs and like cutting off their clothes and like putting them on monitors and there's doing things, I will stand at the foot of the bed and I will make physical contact with the patient. Just like putting my hands on their feet, and feeling their pulse and there's some kind of this is gonna get weird it's gonna get a little weird <laughs> that it's like a chakra it's it's that connection to their pulse kind of like draws the line from their heart to mine and you make eye contact with them and you just say hey i can understand that this is very scary here's what we're doing and it lets that person go from just being an object to like being a human again. Yeah. And in that is empowering from them. They now feel they have someone that they can connect with and say, I'm not comfortable with this. This is why I'm scared. Mm -hmm. This is what I need. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to stay alive, but like, can you call my family? There's just, it lets them be human again, because that is the thing that makes medicine freaking awesome is that robots will never be able to do that. I don't believe. Right. Well, that's why we're there. I mean, that's. And the fascinating thing is the better you have become at your job, the more human it's allowed you to be, you know, where pe almost people think, you know, oh, he's a machine. Look how good he is at what he does. And it's, it's the opposite. It's you no longer, you've gotten so good at your job because of 
repetition and experience and just doing it and doing it and doing it over and over and over and over that you're now able to tap into uh, a domain of it that doesn't necessarily people I, get to that point. It's really, I cool. would call and I, and I would call it grace. Yes. I would call yeah. it grace. It was, it's what makes Jerry rice, you know, sweetness. It was, he was so good at running a perfect right route and catching a ball that, you know, he just, it just emanated from him. And there was this thing that could not be duplicated, which means it couldn't be, it couldn't be guarded. Mm-hmm. You could, it couldn't be defended. It's grace. Um, and that's what I hope that people can find in their life with something they truly love. But I think that's, for me, we're going to be able to tie this into what I want to do and what my love and passion is with the outdoors. And it's to create grace for people to experience grace in the outdoors where it evolved, where humans evolved primally, because that's, that is something that's way down in our brain waiting to be expressed. And so, um, you know, I, I mean, I can, if you ask me, like, I can tell you a place to go hunting and probably a place to hang up a deer stand and, but I can't tell you how to get the experience of it. Mm-hmm. I have to lead you to mm-hmm. love the outdoors and to like, why is it that a deer coming by you is so freaking exciting? Um, and how do you harvest it? Like the really good hunters have grace. Like they don't think about it. They just respond to the situation as it develops and they have a connection with nature and blah, blah, blah. Um, so I'm at this point where I'm starting to feel in the medical field that I have a lot of skill, but I can only affect one person at a time. And that will always be important. I encourage everyone to do it. Just go spend individual time with one person. But, you know, then there's this opportunity to affect so many more people. And I don't have a desire to write medical journals and medical paradigms and whatever. I want people to be in the outdoors. So I'm trying to build the podcast and the, in all my writing, you know, a reputation for people to come and find uh, a way to become more educated about the outdoors and more connected to nature and, and why hunting can give them so much. But not just hunting, just by being outside. I would, I would probably rather you understand birds rather than deer because like birds are fascinating and why the whole ecosystem, why like the bugs in the grasses that grow in the land are, are way more interesting than the large animals that eat them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Now we're getting deep. <laughs> uh, well, I, it, what, what strikes me <laughs> is that it's almost like in uh, rebuttal to no one is special no one is is special in their um physiology or their psychology but they are special in how they 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 put all that in a direction towards what they specifically want and desire and what lights them up right yeah and you're using all of this uh human experience that is that is all of ours uh, for exactly how you want to carve out uh, this this time and place on on Earth 
uh, yeah, that, that is your life, and you're putting it. And I've kind of pigeonholed. I mean, pigeonholed myself, but it's what I know. Just to be in the outdoor realm, right? Um, be it fishing or hunting or just camping. I'll tell you, I'm, I'm a decent hunter. I'm a phenomenal camper. If people are going to compliment me at the end of a trip, they're going to be like, that's, that's the compliment I've gotten. Like I am, I'm a savvy camper. You're going to be, have a better chance hunting just because we're going to be very comfortable with the situation (laughs) camping. But I like that you guys are bringing on musicians, you know, I athletes, outdoorsmen, like all realms. And, finding the people who have gone through the struggle to the point of grace. That's freaking awesome because there's a lot of people who can identify with that. And hopefully they can identify with you and me who have a different background than what we're in now. Like my medical, I just found a way to say how becoming a a good nurse in an emergency realm has made me a better outdoorsman. Yep. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're, they're not, they're not, uh, compartmentalized. They are related. Exactly. Yeah, they're just you know, there's just basic tenements, tenets of actions, and mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. just I think the key is to just, uh, you know, is to embrace learning, and once you know how to learn and how you learn and how you discover what's holding you back and what your barriers are and how you overcome any barrier, then you can you apply those to whatever it is you want to do, and off you go. Very cool. So how do we, how do we, uh, I mean, you got, obviously we, as we've all just heard, uh, you've got a lot of cool stuff. You got a lot of cool takes on some things. How's, how do we enjoy some of this stuff? Your writing, your podcast, uh, where, you know, those types of things, where do we find it? Single handle is Alaskan Odysseys. That's Instagram. That's Facebook. Um, my name is Steve Opat. So if you just search Steve Opat, um, you'll find a lot of my articles, but I'm, piling it all under one website alaskanodysseys.com and uh i kind of made the decision the other day my podcast is it's not really gonna follow a mold of existing podcasts i think i'm gonna turn it into a variety show like already with the 12 episodes i have posted now at the time of this recording you'll find some just me narrating a, a story that i wrote for a magazine the 2000 word story comes out to a 10, 15 minute yeah. um, narrated outdoor think piece. And it's just super fun. It's just a quick hit. And then there's some long form conversation. And I, uh, you said, you talked about the parody of me standing behind the big piece of hemlock that I pretended was a big hunting trophy. I friggin' love parody. I've been impersonations my entire life. I mean, I, in like, Second grade, I was in my elementary school talent show doing impersonations of George Bush and Popeye and whatever else. So it's been a part of me a long time. So I love parody. I recently started this character named Toby the Trash Hunter. Which... Yes, I've been keeping up. <laughs> Dude, Toby's great. He's got free, he's got liberty to make, to highlight the intricacies of everybody from, you know, Uncle Donnie, Donald Trump, to... Mm-hmm the hunting industry to people freaking out about COVID to, uh, God, I don't know. I've tried to hit them all. He's kind of, he's, I, I'm very influenced by South park. So I will, nobody is safe from Toby, the trash hunter, myself included. Right. Um, so, so there's going to be some little bits and parody mixed into this as well. And we're just gonna have a good time. 
that's we're gonna have fun we're not gonna take ourselves too seriously and we're gonna share what we've learned like you said like you can't you can't outdo kindness you can't go wrong if it's from a place of love can't give too much love so alaskan odysseys will keep you connected to all that really really cool uh steve man i really appreciated the conversation your insight it was it was a pleasure talking with you man sure so i'll keep getting you guys connected to anybody in my network man let's let's all serve the mission absolutely same here with you uh we'll be in touch we're gonna we're gonna do some stuff together so you guys stay tuned okay i'm in all right man appreciate you have a great one later really cool perspective on why you should get good at something right and 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 why you got to immerse yourself on the front end of doing something really difficult that you're not really good at so that you get so good at it so automatic at whatever you're gonna you're gonna spend the majority of your life doing a profession so that you can you can go beyond just the mechanics of it and be a human being um, to people while you're doing that thing it's a really cool perspective of the importance of getting good at something. You are able to enrich someone else's life when you get good at something. If you're looking at it through that lens, you can be prideful about it and throw it in everybody's face when you get good at something too, and that ain't it, man. You're missing it. You're missing the point. So, really enjoyed that. All right, hope you did too. Thank you, as always, to our performer, to our jingle creator, David Lessing. Check him out, man. Him and his wife do some amazing, amazing music uh, David Lessing, check him out on uh, social medias. Uh, Patrick Davis, Patrick Davis has just launched. He and his wife Sarah have just launched the Fringe podcast, and uh, it's delightful. So check them out. Thank you as always to Patrick, our engineer of sound and all things technological that gets us on the website, that gets us into the ether, the stratosphere, the atmosphere that gets us into your hearts and homes and cars and ears and brains. So thank you, Sarah and Patrick, as always. All right, guys, get out there, soak yourself in some struggle, and have a wonderful, wonderful day. We'll see you.